Hey, good morning. It's great to be here with you on a Tuesday morning, 9 o'clock here in Eastern Standard Time in Athens, Georgia, where our office is. And uh, we're grateful to our property owners because they're going to put new floors. So out with the old, in with the new. Hallelujah. Uh, continue to pray for us. We just got back from a, a trip. Uh, well, I didn't, but we had a team that went. So, you know, we, we all work on it together. And um, and it, it was amazing. We're hearing stories from the team members of what the Lord did. And and uh, there were miracles. There were salvations. There were just, uh, there were, we're, we're hearing, there, there were bodies stacked three high at the altar. <laughs> You know, just stacked one on top of the other, you know. They're falling that fast. Not because not because of anything we did, but we go there with faith. We just believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, God's been gracious to have favor on these trips and continues to, in spite of our weakness, failings, and our many sins and inabilities, God just continues to bless. So, uh, So we just keep doing it. And trust in the Lord. So, if you want to go to Peru in September, there's an airplane leaving Atlanta, Georgia on September the 9th, and you need a seat on it. And I invite you to call us with your credit card number ready. I need the expiration date and the verification code. I need the billing address for the card. And I need the 3% to cover the transaction fee so that... So that uh, uh, so that we don't have to cover that ourselves. And go to Peru with us September 9th to the 20th. We're going there to uh, to minister to a group in Costa Norte. It's the northern part of, of uh, Peru, the district there. Pastor Carlos is the DS, and he has a, a large facility there where we're going to be hosting a conference. For And then we'll, then we'll travel out and visit some churches out in the country and take offering money and bless the people and we expect them to be piled five high on this trip not just three we want we want five high so <laughs> Jason says five and a half so come on that trip come on that trip come on now don't just sit at home this fall call us up and get on that trip alright okay I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 34 with me and we're just going to be looking at, we've been studying the last year or so a lot in Exodus, Leviticus, looking at the tabernacle, looking at the establishment of the Levitical priesthood and the sacrificial system. Man, it's been powerful. And so I'm just kind of picking out, out of that whole scenario, another little story of, there's just so many things the Lord was doing then that was just incredible. And so... Chapter 34, beginning verse 27, is just another one of the little things that sort of impacts and, and just fills in all of the stories and what was happening with the people of Israel as God brought them out of Egypt and, and put them there in Sinai Desert and Moses goes on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And Moses is up there fasting, fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody after they fasted for 40 days, but they lost some weight. 
You know, and Moses probably wasn't a real big guy. I mean, he was, you know, they were walking a lot by this point already. Uh, and uh, he, he was a uh, uh, he was a herdsman up there in the Midian Desert anyway. You know, so he, so he probably wasn't a big guy anyway. And then he fasted 40 days. So after 40 days of fasting, uh, you know, you probably don't look your best. <laughs> you know? You lost some color in your face, you know, looking a little haggard, kind of your cheekbones are sinking in a little bit. And so Moses is coming down off the mountain, received the commandments of the Lord, received all the information about the tabernacle. I mean, you want to talk about a a digital download, you know. I mean, the Lord, you know, we're talking about uh, terabyte after terabyte of information that the Lord has given to Moses. I mean, just streamlining it into him. And I mean, Moses probably just was hanging on for dear life, trying to trying to hold his uh, you know body molecules together so he didn't explode. You know, and uh, and so he comes down off this mountain and he has all the information, but. But something's happening with Moses that he actually didn't really even know. His face was glowing. His face was glowing. Okay, let's talk about the glowing face. So here we go. We're going to read it, and then we'll take a look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians, and then we'll wrap it up. It's just an interesting verse to sort of give, you know, another uh, another sort of perspective on what, some of the stuff the Lord was doing to prepare the giving the law and the people of Israel and all that. And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for after the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. Okay, so obviously it's miraculous, right? We, we know medically that's impossible. Okay, so this is a miraculous event. And he wrote upon the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount that Moses wist not, I mean, he knew not, he didn't know, that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them, with them, okay, or with Aaron, okay? In other words, Moses comes down, He's got the tablets of stone, and he doesn't know this, but his face is glowing, radiating the glory of the Lord. And he didn't know what was happening. Now, a few chapters earlier, it's interesting, a few chapters earlier, the, the Moses asked the Lord, let me see your glory. And the Lord said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring you up here on this, this rock, and I'm going to shove you into the crack of the rock, and I'm going to pass over and and then you'll see the back of me, but you can't see my face. Okay? And and so God does that for Moses. And then when Moses is there in the mountain, he doesn't know it. But even that, the glory just sort of attached to Moses. It 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 soaked in like like the sun rays soak into the skin, you know, and then after after you're out in the sun you can you can press your skin and you can see how much sun you got. You can see if you're going to hurt tomorrow, right? Everybody's going to the beach right now, maybe. That's too hot for me to go to the beach. Goodness gracious. 
I can't even. I walked out of my house this morning at 80 degrees. Man, if I go to the beach, I'll man, I'll get uh, heat ration. I'll be in, I'll be inside in the AC the rest of the day, man. Why did I start talking about that, y'all? Okay, let's move on. Glow, yeah, that no, I'm not glowing right now. I, the the glory's fading. Okay, let's move on. So, so, so it's it's like the skin soaks up the sun. So, so Moses is there in the presence of the Lord for forty days, forty nights. Doesn't eat, doesn't drink, and his his skin is just soaking up this glory, you know, this miraculous light. And then when he comes down from the mountain, his skin is just, just. I mean, it's got had to be something, you know, out of like a sci-fi movie. I mean, they were scared out of their minds, man. They thought they'd seen a ghost, and they're running for Moses. <laughs> you know, they don't want to have anything. Moses goes up on the mountain, and some crazy, you know, alien comes down. You know, they're freaked out. Okay, when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. Verse 30, and they were afraid to come near him. Like, oh, get. okay. So so then Moses called to them, and Aaron and the rulers of the congregation returned. So he calls, and they, they hear his voice. They say, okay, that's, that's Moses in there somewhere. You know, I don't see him, but, you know, he's in there somewhere, I guess, because I hear his voice. And Moses talked with them, and afterward all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on in Mount Sinai. You ever, have, have you ever been in a situation where the Lord had spoken to somebody, a spiritual leader or a prophetic person in a meeting, and as they're talking, you could clearly define the moment that the Word began and when it ended. And during that moment, it's like, there's something on them that's indescribable, that's supernatural, that is on that person. And then when, when, when the prophetic moment is over, it's like they just kind of, you know, return to who you knew them to be, you know, the person you're going to go eat lunch with or whatever. But there's a five or ten minute moment where it's like the Holy Spirit takes over and there's like a mantle on the person that... And you and you just glued to the words, and you, the Holy Spirit is just in the room, heavy. You ever? Yeah, that that's what I think of. That that's the closest I can come to. Because I've been trying to think, what would it have been like to see Moses and hear what he was saying? And that's the closest I might could come to is you know thinking of situations where I've been in the presence of somebody who was just a prophetic person or somebody of the Lord, and 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 they had something from the Lord, and and that they launch into it and. And there's a good five, ten minutes where they're just letting everybody in the room hear what they got to say, and and the Lord is just there, and then it's, and then it it passes, right? And until Moses was done speaking with them, okay, he put a veil on his face. Okay, now now the, the veil has confused many people. We're gonna talk about the veil. Okay, so as he was talking to them, the the glory of the Lord was shining. His face was radiant and shining. And then when he was done talking, he put a veil over his face. And then Moses had this tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Okay? And so whenever he wanted to talk with the Lord, he'd, he'd you know, walk out. It was outside the camp. So it was kind of a little ways off. It wasn't in the middle of the camp. It was outside. And so he'd walk out there to the camp or to the tent. 
outside the camp, and he'd meet with the Lord. And when he came back from the tent, he wasn't going up on the mountain all the time. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, it first happened when he came down from the mountain. But there was a tent, tent of meeting, and Moses would go out there, meet with the Lord. When he came back, his face would shine. And then uh, he'd talk to the people of Israel. When he's done talking, he put the veil over his face. Okay? So that's what we get in verse 34. 34, when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spoke unto the children of Israel that which was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went to speak with him. So there was this... This didn't just happen one time. Right? That, that's what we're getting here. It's that this was a repetitive thing of it happened the first time after the forty days and forty nights on Mount Sinai. Just trying to help you get a sense of what's happening here. The the movement. This is something that, that was happening multiple times. The first time was on the mountain, he came down forty days, forty nights, and then there was a tent of meeting, and Moses would go to the tent, come back, face shining, talk to the people, put the veil. Tent of meeting take the veil off, tent of meeting, come back, face is shining, talk to the people, put the veil. So this was a repetitive thing that was happening. This was, and that's why, and I can't remember where it was, man, I forgot to look that up. I didn't think about it till just now. I won't waste time looking for it. But there's, there's a place where it says when Moses would walk out to the tent of meeting, all the people would stand at the, at the entrance of their tents and watch him because they knew when he came back his face would be shining. I mean, this was like really impactful on the people of Israel. Okay? So it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a short few verses here, but if you think about what that would have been like, that, that was very impactful for them. I mean, when... I mean, that, that's, a new, that's a new thing. Nobody there had ever experienced that before. You know? Suddenly, suddenly they got a leader who's... Every time he every time he goes out to this tent, he comes back and his face is glowing. I mean that that that's impactful. Okay, that makes a mark. And so that's what that's what was happening. So the question is, why why did Moses put the veil over his face after he was done talking to them? It's because Moses didn't want him to see that the shining, the glowing, went away. Because he was afraid that if they if they if they witnessed the radiance of his face, the glory of the Lord fading away, then they would lose heart and they would start to doubt and they would they would see, you know, the man Moses, who's just a simple man, hard of speech, right? Doubted himself, didn't think he was right for the job, and all those things. And so Moses wanted the people to remember the glory of the Lord. And know that, and connect the commandment with the glory of the Lord. Okay? So that's why Moses did that. It wasn't be weird or anything. He was trying to minister to the people. Don't look at me. Don't look at me at all. Remember the glory of the Lord that was on me when I gave you the commandment. And that validates the commandment, is that it came in glory. Now the glory faded off of Moses, but that doesn't mean that the commandment didn't come in glory, as Paul says. Okay, so we're we're in Second uh, Corinthians three now, so you can do your uh, your uh, uh, sword drill 
and find 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you've got the Expositor's Study Bible, it's on page 2035. I'll let you flip there. So, so Paul is talking about their ministry. So Moses had a ministry to the people that came with a shining face of glory every time he went to the tent of meeting. And so Paul is saying, well, well, we have a ministry too. And our ministry is similar to Moses's, but in a way it's actually better than Moses's. And, and Paul's very careful to, to, to sort of do the dance to make sure he's not undermining Moses. He's simply saying that the reason... Well, let's read it. Sometimes I just start talking and I don't actually read the Bible. All right. <laughs> All right. So Paul is saying here, let's start with verse uh, uh, verse 9, because that's sort of a lead up. For the ministration of condemnation be of glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. In other words, the law of Moses came in glory, the shining face, and the Mount Sinai experience and all that. So it came in glory. Eventually it brought condemnation because... The sins of man could not keep the law. Okay, so it's not that it's not that the law given is bad. It's that is that we were, and that's that's another Bible study. Much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. So yeah, Moses's uh, law, the law that came through Moses, was full of glory and it's wonderful. Nothing wrong with it. It's beautiful. It's holy. It's God. God's you know God gave it. God given. The reason that the, the ministry of righteousness exceeds in glory is because it's, because it's, it's uh, eternal. It doesn't fade away because the power of the Holy Spirit came okay? through the cross, through the resurrection, through the ascension. The Holy Spirit came, comes, and that's the difference right there. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excels. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. Seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face. So here we go. We're talking about the Moses part now. Um, uh put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. And that's Paul's language to say what I've been saying here. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. In other words, in other words they could not see that the law was destined to be temporary in terms of uh, in terms of how we relate to God, not that not that we uh, that came out wrong. The ministration of the law, or the idea that we have to try to live up to the law based on our our own strength, okay, was a temporary institution by God, and it had to be temporary because we we just finished the book of Hebrews, you know. Uh, the consciousness of the sinner was not clean under the law, and blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins. So it had to be temporary, or else, you know, we're all hopeless. 
There had to be an eternal salvation. There had to be a lasting, everlasting uh, new covenant that would come, which is Jeremiah 31. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. In other words, the Jews can't see. Anything that comes law, anything that tries to put on you the idea that you have to earn your salvation, okay? Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins, but, you know, you have to live this life based on your own power in order to make it to heaven. Now, what, in, what kind of a gospel is that? I don't want to hear that junk. I'm sick of it. I don't have any more time for that stuff. I mean, I'm trying to see people piled up five high. I can't sit around here and argue with you about, you know, uh, your guilty conscience. If Christ did it on the cross, repent, bring it to Him, and get yourself out there and be useful for the kingdom. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. There you go, when you turn to the Lord. So who takes away the Lord? I mean, who takes away the veil? Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That's the whole difference. I mean, Paul, Paul's going straight up. The, the whole difference is the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Not only the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out, but also the power to help us minister through the gifts of the Holy Spirit to people who are hurting and desperate and broken and lost and need salvation and need healing and need reconciliation, need conviction and need a miracle in their life. But we all with open faces. In other words, Paul is saying, you know, we're different than Moses in that because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that's always there, then we have unveiled faces. We are wide open. We are just wide open as could be. Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of, of the Lord. Now, I'm going to read verse 1 of chapter 4 because that's a really important verse and then I'll kind of hammer that for a second and be done. Because Paul says, he takes this to his ministry. What he's trying to do here, apparently, you know, he's dealing with some, uh, maybe some uh, uh, teachers came in trying to, you know, sort of say you have to mix Jesus and the law. And so he's, he's just dealing with that in, in, a, in a unique way. He does that, he has to do that in almost every one of his epistles, right? Um, he says, so he says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. In other words, Paul is saying that the ministry, the call upon his life was given. Paul didn't earn his place as an apostle. In fact, he says that he's like one that's abnormally born. That's how he saw himself. One that just didn't fit in with the other apostles. Okay, but, but he didn't look down on them. And he, I mean, he, you know, he stood up to Peter, sure, but then he also, sort of, he also uplifts and validates Peter in other places. And Barnabas, you know, so he's, so he's, he's a team player. But, but inside of himself, he knew that he didn't have any right to be an apostle because he persecuted the church. He was stood there when Stephen was stoned in Acts chapter 7. He wanted to kill everybody. He's on his way up to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 to, to find as many as he could and put them in jail and put them, 
and put him to death and everything. I mean, he says, I was, I was a murderer. I was hateful. I was, man, I was, I wanted blood. These Christians, I hated them. And boom, the Lord took him, took his heart, changed him from the inside out, and gave him a ministry. And that, that, that's the key for Paul right there, is that God gave it to him. He didn't go take it. He didn't, he didn't come up with a business plan. Right? And put it in motion and have, and have this beautiful 10 to 20 year business plan. And, you know, that's fine. You know, I'm not saying you can't do that. You know, don't take it that way. Come on. What I'm saying is, first God has to give it to you. And then you have to pray about how to manage the call. Okay? And for some people, that might be make a 10, 20 year plan and, and, you know, build a big organization. And for some people, you know, it it might not be do a 20 year plan. It might be, you know, do a 20 day plan. So you just you're just running on twenty day plans or two day plans or whatever twenty minute plans, you know. <laughs> Who's on the twenty minute plan? <laughs> Cindy, Jason, and Emily are all on the twenty minute plan. <laughs> that's our motto: the twenty minute plan of ministry. And that's fine, you know. So I, the point is, Paul is saying the the ministry has to be given by God, and if God gives you a ministry. I mean, you better own it. So I'm talking to pastors right now who know you have a calling and you you are not owning your ministry. And you're discouraged about the Methodist church. You're discouraged about, you know, what's going on in America and the political climate. Okay? You're discouraged because uh, things just, you know, aren't going the way that we thought they should go in our institutions as a church, in our careers as a pastor, in our in our country as a government and 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 what you know, all the all the stuff that's out there these days and everybody wants to validate sin and redefine it and you're just discouraged and now wait a second. Just wait a second before you go down the path of despair. Did God give you a ministry? Okay, start Right there, did God give you a ministry? And if the answer is yes, then you have a responsibility to figure out what to do with it. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that's easy to do in any way at all. Okay? It's very difficult sometimes because the devil will try to just throw all of these uh, landmines in front of you. You know, and before you know it, you know, you're. it's like... Uh, you ever watch American Gladiator years ago? Y'all remember that show, American Gladiator, where you had you had you had the guy like me, who was you know kind of small, you know, but you know thought I was more athletic than I really am, you know, and then and and you had this obstacle course, you know, yeah, you had this obstacle course, and you had to get from like point A to point B by like swinging on these, but in the middle of that you had the gladiators who were like bodybuilders, and they were there trying to, like, knock you down. You know, they had these these big, you know, they're trying to whack you down, and, and if you fell down and hit the floor, then, you know, you lost your turn. And then the next person gets to try to go and beat the gladiators. And so, I mean, the devil's trying to be a gladiator and just beat you down all the time and make you fall, and you're, and you're just saying, man, Lord, I... Well, look, don't... I, I, I just got to say to you, 
that you can't sit around. Look, I don't want to downplay hardship in life, but, but at some point we can't sit around and just keep whining about how hard it is to serve the Lord. At some point, we got to say, okay, Lord, I've, you know, I've, I've said my piece. I'm frustrated. Things didn't go the way I thought. But it, if I'm going to answer my call, I've got to get up and figure out how to be good somewhere to the kingdom. I've got, I got to figure out how to, serve, how to serve the kingdom somewhere, somehow. And, and you gave me this ministry. It's a powerful ministry. The glory of the Lord is dwelling inside of me. I've got an unveiled face that I need to get out there and show to the world. And the devil's trying to veil my face right now so, the, so that, that nobody can see the glory of the Lord that's in me. And I'm not going to let him do it. I'm going to kick that gladiator in the teeth and I'm going to make it to the next level. Go find one on YouTube, man. You'll laugh. If you never saw that, it is funny stuff. I mean, that's straight 80s. You know, the outfits and everything, the spandex and... Lord have mercy. God help me never have to wear one of those outfits. <laughs> All right. So, that's it. Yeah, give to RBM. <laughs> give to RBM. <laughs> give us an offering. We're raising a bunch of money to take Brazil. We're raising a bunch of money to take to Peru. We're raising a bunch of money to cover Rekindle the Flame. You know, will you put the little thing up there? The give to RBM QR code. Got it? No? Okay, go for it. There there we go. Okay. So if you're watching this on your phone, you obviously you can't scan a QR code. Wait, let me point this way. Oh, there we go. Okay. You can't scan a QR code if you're watching it on your phone, but if you're watching it on your computer or something, get your phone, get your phone and just pull up your camera app and just just hold it just hold it up to the QR code. Okay? And then and then it'll it'll Pick it up right on your screen. It'll pick it up, and and you can click the little yellow. There'll be a little yellow ribbon down here. You can click it, and it'll take you to our donation page, and you can give online. Okay. If you're on your phone, you can go to ladderrank.com and click Give Now. You can mail us a check. You can call the office. You can give by PayPal. But you know, I unashamedly ask you support Rick Bonfin Ministries. I mean, we're trying to unveil our faces every day and just show the glory of the Lord the best we can. We fail sometimes. God forgive us. Thanks for hanging there with us. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Have a great day. Queima impureza do meu ser Estrela alva brilha em mim Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver Chama